0: Is AI doing the opposite of what you think? And is it actually killing your progress? Hi, I'm Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and today I'm speaking with Doug Cunnington, who is a gun. In the SEO industry, he's been featured all over the internet, including Ahrefs, Empire Flippers, Niche Pursuits, Side Hustle Nation, and much, much more. Doug is also a project management professional, coaches people how to create great content using AI, and the creator of the keyword golden ratio and the master at internet marketing and course creating, especially for affiliates. Now, in this podcast episode, Doug and I talk about how AI is cool and can be used in our online businesses, specifically content creation, but why we're actually not doomed, and why you need to stop fretting about all these new AI tools that are coming out. We also talk about how AI is actually going to make our online businesses better, and the rate at it can and at which it's moving, which is a lot slower than what a lot of people thinking because there's so much fear media out there around AI. And we talk that then talk about the destructiveness of constantly learning and trying to be on the cutting edge of new AI tools that are coming out as an entrepreneur and how that can actually crush your progress, which I think is absolutely fascinating and something of you guys that really need to understand. Then we move into Doug's process on creating content at scale with AI that Google actually loves. And the dangers of doing it at scale and then also the difference of doing it a little bit slower. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Doug is still using just writers for his own site, uh, not just all in on ai so he does use ai but is not you know ai using ai at scale which he talks about in the podcast episode we also talk about how to actually add value to your content whilst using ai without fretting out fretting about it being seo friendly when you publish we also talk about how we can improve our sites with AI, a lot about speculation, why some speculation is just not good for us. And then towards the end of the episode, we talk about some financial independence stuff, some things that I've gone through and learned around financial independence. And Doug has a, another whole podcast on financial independence. So there's so much value in this podcast episode. If you guys are looking to buy an online business at specifically a content website, you're gonna get so much value from this. So enjoy. Doug, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Hey, Jared. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to see you again. It's been a little while and I'm, I'm pumped to chat. Likewise,
0: today. likewise. I reached out to you because I know that you've been putting out so much great stuff around AI and we hadn't chatted. I didn't even know if you were doing interviews uh, anymore. And I was like, let's let's just see if Doug wants to chat. Uh, and yeah, you're up for it. So it's been cool just off air for people listening with Doug and I have been catching up. On our personal lives, which has been great. And then we just organically started getting into AI. (laughs) So I was like, well, let's get, let's just hit the record button. So basically, what you're saying to me, Doug, is as you've freed up some space in, you know, working a little bit less, I've done this, I do the same. And you said through that, you're able to have a bit more time to play around with tools and you really have gotten a bit more excited with this AI stuff. So I wanna talk about content creation and AI and your processes and, and how it's working for you and how you're ma- making it work. The first, what are your thoughts on AI and everybody's fear around, oh, like what's
1: the, uh, you know, are we all doomed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I have watched a couple interviews some of the longer ones with like Lex Friedman. I don't know if you check out his podcast, but he's interviewed some people that are very deep into AI and they think literally the end of the world is pretty close. Mm. And I think that might be a little bit of an exaggeration. However, they're experts. So, you know, they have some pretty strong opinions for me. I think it's just fun to see the technology work in a, in a way that can help us out, that might be able to help our workflow. In our smaller world of content websites, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's interesting to be able to use the tools and it's a great thought exercise and really learning experience to take the skills that we know from maybe SEO, content writing, content creation in general, whether it's the written word or podcast or YouTube or, social media you can use these tools to do things better or faster or easier or save time or maybe you can have your va work on something different that really needs a human's touch versus some things that ai can do a really good job on
0: yeah i'm glad you said that a lot of people listening have just been able to stop holding their breath now uh, because yeah. it's not, it's not the end for content sites. It's not the end for blogs. If it was, I'm sure that you and I would have pivoted a long time ago <laughs> and I'm very bullish. I'm very bullish on, on it. it, only getting better and spot on. I agree with you. Like you've got some people that are experts in the space but I think, still, for my feeling, how I feel in the sense that I get is when people do talk about this stuff, and I haven't listened to that podcast, or I don't know who that person is actually. I have listened to a lot of other podcasts. Very highly intelligent thought leaders come up with speculations, and I haven't seen anything taken from a speculation back to where we're at today in a linear path on. How it actually, literally, is going to make sense from how we get from where we're at today to that speculation. So for me, the the sense is like, there's a lot. There's a lot of media and fear media or fear cells. All right. Uh, so there's a lot of speculation. I believe around it. Some of the, there's probably some truths to some of it. Uh, but I'm very bullish on us not being in a position where we're all going to. You know lose our incomes and our livelihoods because uh of content sites being changed dramatically in a very short period of time that we can't handle what are your thoughts on that
1: i agree the the other big part is the fear that i think some people have if they think hey i have a website and now maybe chat gpt or google's bard or bing with chat gpt integrated is all of a sudden going to answer all the questions it depends on what kind of website you have i think maybe some websites you will run into a little bit Mm. of trouble however if you have a website where you review tech products which new ones come out all the time so the data That the ai tools are going to provide is probably going to be a little bit out of date or potentially just wrong so if you do play around a little bit you'll quickly see the information is wrong often a lot and i was it, it doesn't even matter like what area what topic area you pick there's going to be mistakes and if a person is not an expert in that area they won't know that it's a mistake The logic being if they follow along with the ai tools advice and it's wrong they'll get burned once or twice and then they won't trust it anymore so that said we have seen like a pretty serious acceleration in the progress with ai tools like i remember using jasper like six months ago and it was pretty much garbage i mean it was a little bit better than it was um two years ago but not that much better ChatGPT made a huge difference. And I think if you use it in the right way, it can be, you know, a tool. But as far as our websites, like not getting any more traffic, people still need accurate information that someone looked Mm -hmm. over. And that will take, you know, whatever um, process it is that we're integrating on our site to publish content that's accurate. And then, you know, as far as, you know, people just using the chatbots, day-to-day, that could be something. But the fact is we're all in a little bubble of sort of high-tech leading edge folks that are using things that are new and we're testing it. Most people are not using these and they won't for a little while unless, uh, say, like Apple all of a sudden changes the default um, search engine or something like that. Then we would all start using something different. But right now i don't think change is going to happen super fast
0: yeah i agree and that's what people are worried about is super fast change and to pick apart what you're mentioning about uh the inaccuracy of the data uh from these tools it only makes to me it only makes more sense to have an expert uh rewrite or at least edits the content that you may be generating from an ai tool versus when you may have hired a content writer, you know they're doing the fact checking prior to writing the content, and you could just have a little bit more hands off approach when you hire a writer and they just write the content and then publish it on the site with an editor in between as well, if you like. But I feel like it's even with AI tools, it's it's it cuts out a great it cuts out a great portion of uh, writer's block for sure. That's the way i see it is it's really good to just eliminate writer's block and it's even more important to make sure we have somebody an expert now making sure information is factual and in the lingo and the language and using the nuances of how people communicate in that certain niche uh, i like your idea i like your ideology around like the tech uh space how it moves so fast is ai going to be able to and the data going to be able to keep up with it um typically i don't like tech sites because the revolving amount of content that you need to continue to produce uh and then spending that money and resources on creating that content that may not exist in the future is is uh i don't feel it's the best use of um finances for roi but coming back- right.
1: I wanna jump in really yeah. quick and completely interrupt you, but you mentioned something before and I wanna just hit a tactical thing really quickly. You can use the AI tools to like write the content and then have an editor who's an expert go through and make sure it's factually correct. But perhaps a better way is to have the expert do the research, make sure all the input data is correct. Right. So you have maybe a content mm-hmm. brief then you feed that into something like ChatGPT, and then you know all the facts are correct and you don't have any BS right. in there. Then you save time. Then you don't need the expert to do the editing on the back end because the input data was correct. So there's a little things like that where we were doing things a certain way for a little while because it made sense to have the expert come in afterwards to double check. But now it's better, at least the way things are right now when we're recording this, it makes more sense to go ahead and have the the expert check it ahead of time. Now you can use ChatGPT to get a good outline and then maybe have the, the expert double check it and then feed it back in. But that will save a huge amount of time just in general.
0: I love that you interjected there and that's exactly why I got you on to talk about it in a bit more of a strategical and tactical approach on how you actually are creating content now using these tools and what party where are you using them in the in the flow of getting a piece of content an an idea to a piece of content published on your site so what is your what is your process for creating content with these tools and team that google loves basically (laughs) and humans of course because humans
1: come before google so full disclosure i'm not at a point right now where i'm publishing a whole lot of content so technically right now i have a writer manually writing stuff just like the old days she knows the niche a little bit so just for full disclosure that is what i'm doing however I have been coaching some people that are doing Mm. this and I know other people that are doing this more at scale, which is a little bit dangerous because the tools can work faster than we can publish high quality data. But I will go over a few areas that you can use the tools effectively and have various touch points, whatever makes sense for your system. The cool part I think too, is like you could Use Chat GPT. We'll just use Chat GPT for this case, but I played around with Bard, which is Google's tool, and it works pretty well, also. Not quite as sophisticated, but pretty solid. And I haven't used um, Bing as much, but I'm pretty sure that's limited. And technically, that's Chat GPT underneath the hood. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, a couple areas. Um, number one, you can just do straight up keyword research and just say, give me 30 long tail keywords in a specific niche and then put them into a content cluster. Just yesterday, I was doing a live stream and I thought, hey, maybe I can get a kind of a project plan slash status table so I can have the all those keywords put into a schedule. And I said, start it in a week. I put in the actual date, you know, you could say like, uh, whatever, August 26th, 2023 Publish two articles per week. Tell me what the article is, put a status in there, like started, not started. And then, um, the specific date and what content cluster it belongs to and put it in a table. And then it spit out the whole schedule for the next year or whatever. So pretty effective. And even if you know how to do that already, it saves you time typing. Like it would take at least a few minutes to create a spreadsheet that has all that data. And it did it in, I don't know, eight seconds, something Mm. like that, pretty Mm. dramatic. So once you get the keywords, if you care, you can go to a keyword research tool, find the search number of searches and then prioritize however you want. Keyword difficulty and, and you, all that sort and stuff
0: it, depending on where your site sure. is at in its level of authority.
1: You okay. got it. And you know from there you have the keyword, you have the cluster, you have a schedule, you can get a very solid content brief after that. And one one great way to do this kind of thing is to maybe look up what is in a good content brief. So you can feed a template into ChatGPT and let it know, here's what I'm looking for, for a content brief. And you can give a couple of examples and then it can understand what you've given it. You can say, I'm gonna give you these you know, two or three inputs. This is the output I want. Here's one or two or three examples. And it's very, very good at emulating and understanding what you want based on that sort of Mm, thing. Great, great. So I'll pause there because I talked a lot and then you could ask some questions. Yeah,
0: yeah, thank you. Uh, I would say I was going to ask around, you know, fact, you know, just checking on keywords and which ones you actually want to use. I'm sure there's some that you can take out and and swap around and put them in uh, the chronological order on how you want to start creating that content, um, which ones you want to try and publish first or get ranked first, and if so, why? Just purely based on the journey of the user, um, taking them on that that path. And then also I was going to talk about, I was going to ask you about checking the keywords for volume and keyword difficulty, but you mentioned that. So yeah, let's, I guess let's just keep going and then I can break apart pieces. Um, so So you've got, so you basically got your content brief and you got your keywords. So that's where we're at
1: now, right? Yeah. Yep. And just to hit the couple of the points that you mentioned before, so you can use um, the keyword difficulty score in whatever tool that you use. I'm pretty agnostic. Most tools are pretty good now, as long as they've been kept up to date Mm -hmm. and they're a solid tool. And keyword golden ratio is something I created a few years ago. It's a great way to really tease out the long tail keywords with a data-driven way, which it's a little little complicated to talk about so we can put a link in and people can watch the videos luckily it's held up for the last whatever six years or i thought it was even longer yeah
0: but there was guys we've we've talked about the keyword golden ratio in other episodes that you guys can go and listen to as well and there'll be links to that in that in their show notes and also in this this podcast as well we link to it
1: so going back to um prioritization I usually lean towards those long tail, very low competition, very low search volume keywords in general, even for a site that's pretty well established. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't tested it out in a few years, but in the last month and a half, I published, I think 20 articles that are keyword golden ratio terms. And I think like 15 of them ranked in the top five, And five of them were in the top 50. So pretty Mm. solid um, results overall. And it just sort of reaffirmed that it does work here. You know, six years later, long tail keywords work. They're very low competition. So going back to the content brief, you can get the content brief and, you know, provide a template. ChatGPT will be able to give you Um, probably pretty close to what you want. At that point, this is where I would fact check it and make sure it has the right information. Now, depending on the level of detail in the content brief template that you're trying to use, there might not be very much detail. That's okay because then you can go fill it in. So for example, let's say it's a product review article. You can go to the manufacturer's website or you can go to Amazon just copy the data directly from the listings whatever the specs yeah. are yeah and then put it into ChatGPT and in, or at least into your content brief and then you have exactly what what the details are so you know that it's accurate and at that point you know it's perfect data and then You can also hop over to the review section of Amazon and then get some five-star reviews, some three-star, some one-star. So you have a mix in there of different user impressions. Now, you may have to feed it in piecemeal because you could only put in so much data, but you kind of get the Mm -hmm. idea. And the good part with ChatGPT is you don't necessarily have to give like a huge amount of data. If you give it like a couple of examples from each, you know, review, um, you know, five star, three star, like it will be able to figure out what's going on and make some pretty good assumptions about the quality of the product or examples. Like if it's a, if it's a camera and the battery life is bad, they'll see that noted a couple of times and they'll put it in there. So And, you know, from there, like, it's pretty amazing how high quality the content brief or an outline can be. And you can ask for tweaks. So if you see, like, maybe there's a not enough pros and cons or something, you could say, hey, can you give me more pros and cons for this specific product? Yeah. Great.
0: So with that, when you've got the basically you've got you scraping content from other places and then feeding it into chat gpt and then you can have it rewritten into your own version and work out well and you're getting a writer maybe a writer to do that for you or the people the people that the people that you're working with are they getting a writer to do that for them and then and then what's the next step before putting it all together like
1: yeah sure so generally people are not getting a writer they're just kind of doing this a at scale all right, okay. yeah they're i mean they are publishing hard and it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing i mean they're publishing a huge amount of content um and they are not getting writers they're getting editors now yes. So they'll have the content come through. They're not doing so much what we talked about before. They're having the editor check it afterwards. And I don't know how much fact checking they're doing. I think some of these are pretty general general areas where the, the issues, the, the incorrect information are few. So it makes it a little bit easier. And they're really just correcting grammar and formatting it and stuff like that technically and I've only done this once and I'll tell you the specific example but I got an outline asked chat GPT to write a blog post and I, I published it like verbatim and it ranked like number two it's a very long tail keyword but it ranked number two in like a couple mm-hmm. days since then there's been com- some competitors hopped in and they've you know written much more higher quality stuff so they've displaced me it's still, ranking like number five or number seven, but in this specific case, I actually recorded a YouTube video and I grabbed my transcript and then I put that into chat GPT. So if people are connecting the dots here, you potentially could go to YouTube, go to a good video, grab the transcript, and then ask chat GPT to write a blog post beta based on a transcript. And it will be in someone's like own words. Right. I mean, you could put it in a different style you could ask it to write in the style of like Yoda. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You don't do Yoda. It's a little hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or Jesus or anything like that. But um, okay, cool. I wonder how, I wonder how that will look like. I I mean, it's going to be hard to to detect plagiarism if you have it rewritten, uh, but it's very, Yeah it is an interesting strategy that can definitely be used.
1: And I think what I have noticed is if you give it enough of your own input data, then it will, it will be very um, specific to your voice. And that is, you know, one of the tips that I've seen a lot of times is to just have it write in a different style. And then maybe you, ask it to rewrite it in a different style. So it gets a couple of rewrites and you could pick, you know, well-known authors that do a good job. So like Seth Godin and, you know, Tim Ferriss yeah. and then have it rewrite it a couple of times. And then you end up with something that sounds pretty authoritative and it's not in the default tone and style of chat GPT. Now, one, one other thing you could do is if you've written a lot or, Maybe like you and I, we've recorded a lot of podcasts. We have transcripts. You can feed in your own style of writing or speaking and then say, always write in this style. So then it will be in your own style. That's one thing that I had a hard time figuring out how to do. Like I I thought it would be possible. And then eventually I figured out how to do it. And it's as simple as getting some of your blog posts and feeding it into chat GPT and say, hey, what kind of style is this? Always writing this style. Like, remember this style. It's very simple. I actually did uh,
0: play around with the tool to create emails and stories uh, that I use. I use my personal, I use my email as Instagram. Like I tell stories about my personal life and then how that relates to business and the lessons that I learned. Like just a lot of like, philosophy type stuff. And I'll post images and GIFs and things like that. And I went to use Chat GPT to help me with some ideas and ways that I could start, you know, getting that to help me with my emails. And it just wasn't up to scratch. And what I did do is I said, can you take this story and write it how my name would write it? And I hadn't fed it any any of my podcast transcriptions or anything from my website, but it went and did a bit of googling and I'm you know probably scraped some stuff and then it sort of talked about like passive income and things like that in the uh, in the text. So I have no doubt that the better it gets, the more data you feed it, the better it's going to get. And I know that once uh, William, that we're working with, who's who's um, actually creating videos for Bob he's been using the tool and training it to put give the outputs that he actually wants that is just more in his style and more accurate and more on brand and I'm, I'm just like <clears throat> this is where I start to get worried personally around do I want to feed this machine all of Jared and all of my IP and everything like that and then what it's out there, you know, I I know it's already out there, like on on YouTube and podcast land, but it's, uh, I don't know how it's gonna be used or taken. So it's an interesting thing to, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Like you said, I mean, the data is already out Mm. there. So if if you're like, if you're like you and I- We're too far gone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's thousands of hours. So yeah, they could they could deep fake almost anything. And I don't know if you've, se- do you use Descript? Do you know that tool? No, we don't use it. All right, for people that don't know, this is a tool that you could feed either video or audio, and then it'll create a transcript for you. It's pretty good. And then you could edit video or audio based on a transcript. So for podcasters, it's pretty cool. You can remove filter words, for example, or it makes it easier to edit because you could edit the text and then it edits the the media files. So because AI is so good, one thing that you can do is feed it audio and then it can learn your voice, right? Do you see where Mm -hmm. this is going, Jared? This is crazy so i trained it on about 90 minutes of my audio right so you could do the same thing upload a couple podcasts it took about a day and it learned my voice now you can just create a script in chat gpt feed it into descript and then it will sound just like you it is
0: crazy, Greg. I just had Greg Elfrink from Empire Flippers on the show, and uh, he he wrote. Oh no! So I think he wrote something. It was a blog post, and he his friend went and took a lot of what his audio and a lot of his video and deep faked him him re- reading his own article uh, as an AI, like a AI version of Greg. And uh, I had thought about that as well. As where I could just. And I was gonna work with a tool and create a Jared AI where I just give it all of my video, all of my audio, blog posts, everything like that. And then, and there is the option where people could ask me Jared AI questions and it would answer them in like a coaching sense. Uh, <clears throat> there's the availability for, for that out there. And I know I was very close to doing it, but I just don't know how it's gonna behave. And then who owns that AI? That jared ai you know is it the is it the 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 person with the the tool do they own it technically or do i own it and it's yeah that's that's getting off a, a bit off track so let's let's circle back to uh, the <laughs> the pieces of the content are you using chat gpt or any ai tools to structure in a way seo wise before before publishing or is that something that you sort of work out in the in the content brief that you have an editor look before you get the get the contextual sure. text from
1: from the ai so generally it would be in the content brief or you can go and maybe ask chat gpt like hey what else should i include in here so that it ranks well in google in We haven't said it here, but I I do have a pretty strong SEO background. However, I'm one of the SEO types that I like to step away and like take off my tinfoil hat (laughs) and think, okay, does this make sense for the end user, like the searcher that's trying to solve a problem? Or am I jumping through some weird hoops to make Google happy right Mm. now? And if it's the latter, I don't want to jump through any hoops. So I generally will make the decision based on how it could help the user the best. So with that said, I don't think as much about the SEO aspect as I do. Does this article make sense? Am I answering all the questions? Am I including pros and cons? Are there FAQs? If it's something that's more persuasive, If someone has an objection, can I go ahead and answer that objection? So think maybe like a sales page Mm -hmm. or something, go ahead and answer it. Like if you can get in the person's head, then it seems like you're a very good expert and you could already dispel any issues that they might have with those objections. So from that perspective, you can use ChatGPT really effectively, you know, on the get-go as you're going through, you get the article. This is something that we can get into more is you have... You have articles published. You can go to ChatGPT and then find where your gaps Mm. are. How can you improve the article? What objections do people have? Are there FAQs that you should include to make this a more well-rounded article? So that's a really powerful way because a lot of us do have websites already. We have a ton of content. We can make great improvements, but let's face it. I mean, I I have a to-do list. all the time, and it's like, hey, improve improve that content, that's pretty boring compared to creating something yeah. new. So if you can get perhaps a VA to go through, put the article in, ask for tips for including more information, filling in the gaps, then you save a huge amount of time. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. And you're working on other high-income-producing tasks if you're not creating new pieces of content
1: yeah and one other thing related to it i mean let's say you have a pretty solid article you can go and do some competition analysis and find the you know the top five articles that are uh, your competitors you could put those in do some analysis figure out what the gaps are based on your article and then the five best And then it will tell you what you need to put Mm. in there. You could even get it to write it for you, but you could just get the bullet point so that maybe it's something highly technical where you you actually need to put your expertise in there. Then at least you have the bullet points and you know where you have issues that you need to take care of. I'm a huge advocate for
0: comparing or at least doing competitive research prior to creating a piece of content to look at what they've done to get ranked, and is it just the article, the article itself, or is it also their level of topical authority and, and and how well established their site is? Compare those, and then break them down, and then take what you can to make your piece of content far superior than theirs, and and add different different avenues of media. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of couple of directions that we could go here. Uh, one thing that I do want to mention is that I know I know agencies now that are testing out taking the taking this the blog post and having it read uh, by an AI but sound like a normal human being you could have it in your own voice and just having it as an audio on the on your piece of content so people can listen to it like a podcast or eventually in the future and probably even now have it um, no, watch watch a talking head, I guess. Uh, so that's one thing that I see how we should be evolving as bloggers or content site owners is making sure people have different forms of media, and that's how we could use AI tools to ensure that our content can be consumed in in the different ways that people may want to consume them. But and and that's not speculation. We can, we've actually got. linear process on how you can do that now do you have like how do you see it how do you see content sites
1: evolving i love it you asked this because i I haven't really thought about it but i had a revelation while you were asking so do you watch a lot of youtube and stuff i love youtube (laughs) okay I spent a little too much time. Yeah, it's
0: just so many um, surfing videos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I'm into uh, guitars a lot. So I'm watching all these like slide guitar things. So my thought is right now, this is pure speculation, but I think right now some of the technology companies are excited that they can do audio so someone can listen Mm. to it. My hunch is, you know, if we're googling something, we're probably on our phone. We're probably skimming. We're at a store. We maybe. want the information. We're fast, trying to figure. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to listen to some robotic thing, even if it's in my sexy voice or yours, Jared. <laughs> right. I'm not going to listen to some <laughs> thing. Read it. I'm just going to skim it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just trying to get a quick answer. That's that's my hunch most of the time. Not always, but a lot of the time. So that's one aspect. So I don't think people are probably going to listen to it. Maybe very small amount. And I think currently, right. Even for dudes like us that like YouTube, if we see a video on someone's webpage, I mean, it's only like 10 or 15% that actually watch the video. So very low percentage, even for people like us, right. You don't watch it too often on someone's webpage.
0: I'm just straight on, straight on YouTube.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the, the two data points. So it's not a scientific study. So that's one thing. The other part is you and I, Jared, we have awesome personalities and if there's some robot behind mm-hmm. it, then it's not, even if they try to put it in our voice and it's um, you know, AI versions of us, it's still going to be stale and artificial And if it doesn't, even if it's not, if it's not mimicking us, it will be even worse. And I've seen some of these. And again, I think the technology companies are excited that they can Mm -hmm. do it, but in the long run, I think video and audio are pretty safe.
0: I love that you, you I love that you say that because you're so spot on. And when I think about how humans connect, how are you going to connect with an AI that's perfect and robotic. When we actually end up trusting people more based on the imperfections they do or don't have, and their idiosyncrasies, like, like you said, our personalities is what people will gravitate towards, just as much sometimes as the well, they come, I think they come for the information and the value, but they stay for how it's delivered. Great so the delivery you're so spot on is like, I, I do feel that like to, to, if I was to like, I am to, I am agreeing. I do think that if in the future I'm on the phone and I'm in the store and I need an answer and I'm like, I'm trying to like look after my child and like make sure they're not eating stuff off the rack. And then Google can, uh, like give me the answer in like two sentences via audio. I think that would be helpful. Um, but I guess that would only be people aren't going to listen to the whole thing. So Google, or you could just take out different parts, like schema, like audio schema for, and this is pure speculation. Like, I don't know if this is yet, uh, available or going to be available, but I guess, the th- right. I guess when we talk about this stuff, we speculate, right? And a portion of the things, like maybe 5 or 3% of the things will come into existence. But when we, and this is my big qualm with the AI thing, is there's so much speculation around it, only a portion of it is going to come into existence. And then people end up listening to YouTube videos and podcasts and stuff like this and freak out. And spend waste so much time on like, oh my God, like, uh, how am I, you know, should I even buy a business anymore? Should I even be on the, in the online business game? And they go into this doom cycle of like, I'm not going to be able to evolve with it. When the reality is it's moving so much slower than everybody's saying, right? And that's what I've seen on the ground. Like literally, like people have been using AI Jasper stuff for like two years. It's been available, but the news has just blown it up. What's your thoughts on like the, the, the speed of this and people's fear around it?
1: I'm going to jump, jump in and just cause I'm, you know, I'm promoting the AI stuff yeah. right now. I basically, can we cuss? Yeah. <laughs> so I shit all over Jasper and the other tools for two and a half years yeah. or so. And earlier, I mean, I still don't love Jasper and people kept asking and asking. So I started testing and it was not very good. And I'm one of the, you know, quote, affiliate marketers. I just tell the truth because I don't need the revenue from the affiliate um, Mm -hmm. income. Like it's a great position and it makes it kind of frees me up to just say, Hey, this is not that great. I'm not going to lie to you like everyone else. So with that said, it was only in the last few months with ChatGPT where I was like, I can use this for some things. It's not, you know, like everyone is freaking out, but it is useful for a handful of things, not everything. So to your point in question around how quickly it's moving, I think um, I have been surprised how there was kind of a, a new iteration and it really leaped forward. And I think, I mean, we may see a few more of those, but overall I think a lot of it is, you know, YouTubers like myself, I'm guilty of this, right? I'm trying to get a handful of views too. So I'm publishing stuff. There are, you know, tons of channels that popped up and websites and services that are trying to capitalize on this wave that's growing. And part of it, again, I'm a a marketer and I market some things sometimes and There are some AI tools now that are a little more sophisticated and I am promoting them. The thing is, I think a lot of those are getting in our faces because marketers talk about them like we Mm. do. But I think some of them are just going to go away because Google, for example, I use like the Google suite of products, right? So in Google Docs and Google Sheets, there's soon there's going to be a little uh, chat bot to help you out. And you won't need these external Mm -hmm. tools. So it's cool that people are like doing stuff, they're building things, but they're going to be obsolete in like six months, something
0: (laughs) like that. Yeah, such a good thing that you brought up. And I mentioned this inside um, inside my community behind the paywall around the shiny objectness of this a lot of people are like, oh, I need to stay up to date with it. But the reality is that what's going to happen is these bigger brands are going to take all these features that these other, t- or all these tools that other, you know, people have created in say that six months time and just, we'll just add that as a feature. Right. And then people didn't need to spend that time fretting, stressing, worrying, and trying to stay up to date when you're going to learn about it. You're going to learn about it from the bigger tools like, When it just pops up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I'm a big fan of like either just in time learning or like learning when it solves a problem for you. So I know uh, I've had a couple students and and folks that I work with and they were like, Yeah, like "I, I thought I needed to take a couple courses on this just so I could be aware, which is a really bad reason to do it because they're not. They don't have a problem to solve. Mm. So, even if they learn some things, they're not applying it right mm-hmm. away. So they're going to forget it. And then, whenever they do need to do that thing, which it kind of it might be unlikely that they need to solve that problem, they're going to have to go back and learn it yeah. again. So the just in time learning makes sense here. And then it keeps you. I mean, if you can, you know, whatever, stay off of Twitter, <laughs> like stay out of the speculation area. Yeah then it just kind of frees your mind are you you on Twitter I don't use Twitter
0: at all I don't use social media to be honest we have a social media for Bob uh, but actually I will say I looked at TikTok because I was like I'm going to get TikTok and check out you know how you know how it works and like should we take some of their videos clips and put them on TikTok I got on TikTok and I spent three hours on the thing and it was just, I was just like in tears, like there's some emotional things like that is heartwarming and then there's just some hilarious things on there. And, uh, you know, maybe once a month, I'll I'll just go, I'm just going to go on TikTok for two hours because it's just pure entertainment for me. But I know how addictive it is and how bad it is for mental health and I'm big on my mental health and yeah, I just don't, I just can't do socials because of that reason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not on Twitter um, very much. I have an account, but I, I hop in every, I don't know, two weeks, but I deleted TikTok off my phone because it just ended up being like ladies in swimsuits and, you know, working out or something. I mean, it degraded really quickly. And then um, I'm on Instagram, but it's mostly just like, puppy videos and uh like guitars cool. so it kind of I've, I've refined it over there and it's a positive thing like there's not there's no uh comparison yeah. kind of stuff going on it's like cute puppies couple guitars yeah.
0: yeah yeah feed feed yourself the good stuff doug this has been awesome thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it i'm going to link to uh your keyword golden ratio and also where can we send send people so your main site, is it, you know, well, first of foremost, guys, mm-hmm. check out the Doug show, check out his, uh, I'm going to link to your YouTube channel, but should we send them to niche site project or?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I wish it was a little simpler, but I'll, I'll lay it all out. So for some of the AI stuff that we've been talking about today, you can go to YouTube, I do some live streams and there's some videos where I show exactly what I've talked about. I kind of talked over the details today, but you can look specifically and do the over the shoulder thing over there. I also have a chat GPT cheat sheet, which is a free resource. It's a five pager. There's no fat on there. You get access to, you know, some really cool prompts that I've found effective. One of them, which I have to mention is a prompt generator. So you could just put in the title of what you it to do, say maybe an SEO expert for a camera blog, and then it will give you a prompt that you can create a chatbot for. So this is what I do. I create a chatbot dedicated to a specific thing. Maybe it's an SEO expert, maybe it's a YouTube uh, content expert, and it can help me come up with titles, descriptions, thumbnails, ideas, outlines for videos, scripts. So you could train it to do exactly what you want and only that thing. So YouTube for that kind of stuff, you can go to niche site project. If you want to learn about the affiliate marketing things, and you can sign up for the email list, get a handful of templates. And then finally, I have another podcast. It's called mile high Fi, mm. and it's about financial independence and personal finance. So totally different topic area, but that is probably what we're all trying to do is get financial freedom so that we could get our time back and do whatever we want.
0: Love it. Yeah. I know that you started Mile high fi probably over a year ago now, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, it's it's almost, oh, almost two years, two years. ago. Crazy. Okay. Wow.
0: Yeah. Look, I got into online businesses to become financially independent. And then I didn't know that this whole other fire movement, um, FIRE, for people who don't know, financial, independent, retire early. So FIRE being an acronym for that existed. And then I'm like, oh, I've been trying to invest in like all these other things, online businesses, real estate and stuff now. And I didn't know that like there's a community of people that are like sharing all this sort of stuff. I just went down one avenue. Is, are you much the same? You went down one avenue of just online businesses or blogs because, because of that? Yeah. Yes.
1: I just I kind of I started on the side hustle area, so I had a you know corporate career for about ten years, and I got laid off, and was kind of dabbling in side hustles. So I ended up in the entrepreneurship area, and then around the same time, I was learning about financial independence, but I didn't pay too much attention. I like making money and starting things, and I slowly got integrated. and It turns out the financial independence retire early group has a lot of similar values to entrepreneurs, Mm. especially bootstrap folks. So we have like, we want financial freedom. It's just one group tends to try to start businesses and the other group, not always, but often ends up trying to be frugal. Sometimes us entrepreneurs end up being frugal so that we could invest in our business and maybe we drive an older car or something like that. Like a lot of overlapping values, but a lot of times we hang out in different circles. So you and I are kind of, we have our feet in both areas, which I think is, you know, kind of the right way to do it. There's some things that I don't spend much money on that I don't mm. care about. And then there's other things that I care a lot about, like the guitars I keep talking about, and I'll spend some money on a guitar and you, you probably got a couple surfboards, <laughs> a right? more than a couple. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think that's the, that's, that's a very important point to make is that I was very, very frugal for a long period of time because I wanted to decrease my expenses and I wanted to travel longer. So I didn't spend too much money traveling. And I had a partner that I was with that actually had to, that helped me recondition myself to be okay spending money on the things that absolutely give me so much fulfillment. Um, And there's one thing there in the fire space that, and this is very general, not picking on on people, but the the ideology of that you should just be frugal up until a certain point. You do miss out on, you can miss out on a lot of things that are very valuable, valuable in terms of fulfilling for you, and maybe ex- like amazing experiences such as travel and, and you know things like that when you're trying to get fi financial repentant financial independence really early. Yeah. But I guess like we could talk about this all day. Um, so guys, make sure that you jump on over to that podcast there. It is the Mile high fi podcast. I'll put a link to that as well. So yeah, Doug, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Thank you.